Well, I want to say good morning to each of you this morning. It is a great joy to welcome you here. Um, it seems like each week the church gets a little more full as we go. So really grateful for that. And it is, it is a joy to welcome you here. Um, per our uh, ongoing emphasis throughout the summer, um, we have been asking different ones to share with us a little bit about how we can love them better. And so in just a few moments, I'm going to have Matt Gaff come up and share with, uh, share with you not only um, how we can love people who do media better, okay, that's important, but he's going to share with you um, some really interesting, uh, what I would call lifelong learning opportunities via our church. And that is that when COVID hit several months ago, well, back in March, and everybody had to isolate and distance, then our church, um, fortunately, because of different ones like Jeremy and Matt and others who said, hey, we really should start streaming anyway. And so the, the church streaming got started. And then it, one thing led to another, and these guys have stayed right on that. And now our podcasts are available through multiple media um, venues. And so uh, Matt's going to just update you with a few housekeeping uh, kind of FYI announcements in that regard. As you know as well, I use the Uversion app, and uh, the U, I always kind of pull from my phone because uh, you can just download the Uversion app, and you can get some sermon notes, access to the slides, the closing song, and things that we do here um, each week. Also, I just want to express, before Matt comes up, I want to express an appreciation um, for the new mic system. We had a little bit of a mic problem for the last couple of weeks, and so um, we have a new mic, so hopefully... Um, this will come through much more clearly in your, on your devices, and you can hear uh, me talk without the snaps and cracks and pops as much. So thank you for those uh, who have attended to that and make, and make that happen each week. Uh, and lest I forget, um, you are loved today. I hope you've been told that. And if you haven't, let me be among the first to say, I love you today in Christ. It is Him, it is about Him, it is for Him, it is through Him, it is by Him we are saved. And we champion that message. And we just keep bringing you back to the gospel each week. You know, I had one of our college students go back to college, and they're plugged in in a local church at near Ball State University. And he said, you know, I sat down in that church service, and I never heard one thing about how to deal with the violence, the virus, how to deal with um, worldviews that are confronting us today, that we're all facing on our jobs, in our community. He said, I never heard a thing about it. Thank you, Pastor, for taking it on and guiding our church through how to think about these issues. And that's what we've endeavored to do. So you pray for our college students as they're plugged in, endeavoring to grow. But you pray for Stonestill Community Church, that we will be a light to this generation that will be a voice for truth, that we will proclaim it, that we will love in truth, that we will not be so focused on the truth that we're a bully with the truth, with no love, that we would not be, on the other hand, so loving and so gracious and so accepting of every worldview and ideology that our love is anemic. It has no teeth in it. It has no bite to it. There's no responsibility in it. And we abandon the truth. No, no, no. Truth and love. You pray that we'll accomplish that. Okay, just a few words. Will you please make welcome Matt Gaff? I'm going to get the mic. Up is on. I got it. Um, so I created a slide presentation because uh, death by PowerPoint is fun. I learned that from the military. Um, basically, the slides are just going to be visual so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, we have the website that was updated. Uh, luckily, we had started doing it in February before all this happened. Um, and because of that, it allowed us a lot of options that once COVID hit, we were able to integrate that into the website easily uh, than we were with the previous website. So go ahead to the uh, next slide. So this is actually the top section of the website. 
Um, here you're going to have a lot of information. First of all, you've got your links to the Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and the podcast. Uh, so the podcast is basically, if you just want to listen to the sermon, we upload that into uh, Anchor, but that is actually distributed to Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, uh, we're almost on to Amazon and Pandora as well. Those should be coming in in the next few weeks. Um, but you can also listen it to others if you want, Spotify, stuff like that. But I'll keep going on. So the top section, uh, sorry, go back to the, sorry. So along the top, some of them I'm not going to talk on a lot. Uh, first of all, the giving, that's just basically the online giving if you want to. Um, it directs you to that, and you can give your information there. It's all secured uh, through different sites. The next one is the prayer wall. That one is basically if you want to uh, request prayer and you don't uh, have Barb's email or if you just want to do it online, you can do that. Uh, you submit that. We'll put it on the wall and then you can also get email reminders back when someone prays for you. So that's one of those. The notices is for any type of notices that the elder board want to put out or any other really important information such as the COVID. That's where that's under. About us, then, is actually where we have the directions how to get here for people that don't know. Um, the pictures of the elders, so if you don't know who they are, you now know. Um, also, staff members, that's where our mission statement is. That's where About Us is, our history of the church. That's where the bulletins are. So if you don't have a copy, which we've not been making copies, you can go on our website and download that anytime. So kind of think of our website as our central hub. Everything you want is at the website. Uh, I'll talk about sermons later. The contact, that is about, uh, that's the contact bar by email or by phone. So if you have any questions. And then we have the ministries. So if you want to go to the next slide. So the ministries, uh, when you hit that tab, it actually brings up all the ministries that we have. So we have Mount Movers, Rock Solid, Grief Share, Starting Point, Radiant Fight Club, the praise band, the media, and then the other ministries, ones that don't have web pages, are listed there. Those would be ones that are uh, sporadic throughout the year. Um, go to the next slide, please. So when you go into the ministries page, you're going to notice another Facebook and, and possibly YouTube links. Those YouTube links um, bring you over to their specific pages. So like Mount Movers, we have a YouTube page for them. So when Deb makes those glorious videos, we post them there so the kids can see them throughout the year. Um, Facebook is the same way. We post those there and any information. So it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, Fight Club has that and along with a few others. Next slide. All right, the sermons page. This is where Joey uploads those U versions like he was talking about on the phone. Well, if you want to get it on your uh, computer or on your phone or tablet, you go to the sermons uh, drop-down page, and that's where they're located. That actually takes you to the slides, takes you to his version notes, takes you to everything that you ever want to know about the sermon. Okay? Next slide. All right, so now to YouTube. And this is the one that we've uh, really upped our game on. Um, in the past, we would upload every, you know, three or four weeks uh, past sermons. This is the one that we do... Uh, day, uh, weekly. We live stream, and if for some reason YouTube fails, which it sometimes does, uh, we'll upload later. <laughs> so to know on this page, first of all, you're going to see that it's ours. It has an intro by Joey, kind of tells everybody what the church is about and kind of where we're located, what our mission statement is. And then we have all of our uh, previous sermons there. Now, if you look on the... the my left, your right, I think. It's all of the other pages. So Mountain Mover, Rock Solid, and Fight Club have their own YouTube pages. So you can actually click on those and go see our videos or Rock Solids or Mountain Movers from our YouTube page. So everything's like integrated, and that's kind of how we want it. Um, next slide. All right, so we'll go to Facebook. So this is what we've been using in the past for a lot of information, and we, we still will, but we're trying to move everything to the website. Facebook is mainly where we can have an outreach to everybody else that may not be at the church, and I'll explain that here in a little bit. So this one is our Facebook main page. This is where all the posts are. That's where you can see um, 
pictures, videos, and stuff like that. Next page, or next slide, thank you. So we have Facebook, um, we have other groups that have their own page. There's a difference between a group and a page. So a page is a completely different thing, and we've tied those in now. So Mountain Movers and Rock Solid, you can get to from our Facebook page right there. Um, so if you see anything, we'll try to cross-reference so that that way, if you don't see it on one, you see it on the other. Next slide, please. And then we have the groups. So these are the groups that don't have their own page, but just mainly a small little section. And that's the Fight Club, Grief Share, and then Uncommon. Um, you can get on those and then get on the groups uh, through our Facebook page. It's on the left-hand side. It's just under groups. Okay, next slide. Here's the newest thing that we started doing, and that's podcasting. So basically, we cut out the music because we have to. It would make a very long podcast, and, and there's other copyrights and other, every, everything else on that. So we just do straight from the sermon to the end. And we upload them onto Anchor, which is just um, one site we do for free. That actually brings it out to multiple sites. So there you can see we have um, Apple. We also have iHeart. We have Spotify. So any device you have, you can listen to the sermon that day. So as soon as we're done with this sermon, we're going to upload it, and it will be available within, like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. It's pretty quick. So um, to, to talk a little bit about all of that and then to kind of tell you why I'm telling you all this, um, Facebook and YouTube and even the website itself all run off of analytics. It's huge math talking about how many people look, how many people um, hit share, like, and all that other stuff. The more that we engage in our Facebook and YouTube, the more it comes up in searches. So when somebody's just searching um, scent, if we have a large amount of people sharing and liking and commenting, then it comes up on the search a lot faster. And we can, you know, um, mission to more people just by searches. Facebook is the same way. When we like or share a particular uh, post, more people that maybe aren't on the Facebook page or like that will see it in their feed. And so then they'll be directed to us, they'll be directed to the website, and that's how we minister to the world. That's kind of how we have to do it in COVID since we can't meet in large groups anymore. Um, our large group is Facebook um, and YouTube. So that's kind of where we're trying to go with. So when we post, it's nice if you hit that like and share. So Joey wanted me to say, what, if you could love media, what would it be? Well, it would be hit that like and share button. It would really be helpful for us. Um, also, if you want to comment, that's great. Uh, and also getting involved. Uh, there's uh, five of us that do it uh, for the live stream and everything. And it's just great. Um, if we take your picture, please... Just know it's, it's going for a good cause, so we can show all your smiling faces on Facebook and YouTube and everything like that. So uh, without that, I think I'm, I'm good, <laughs> unless you're good. <laughs> you're good? I'm good. <laughs> all right. So um, I appreciate everyone, and uh, here's Joey. Good job. Good job. Good job. Hey, thanks so much, Matt. And I appreciate just doing the <coughs> heavy lifting on some of those options that you now have. It's so important, isn't it, um, to have those various access points. And it's amazing what a thumbs up can mean to somebody, isn't it? It really is, that right there. And um, so I want to give you that today. And uh, let's re be reminded, uh, Matt and, oth and others who are um, so diligent about what we've just heard about the, to give them a thumbs up and let them know we appreciate their work. Um, we need that, and that's part of the purpose of the body of Christ. So, you know, uh, we're in a series called Sent, <clears throat> and uh, you and I are sent, and I'm trying to cultivate and foster that sense of sentness. Um, I want you um, to have a sense of, you know, wherever you work, um, whomever, whatever neighborhood that you live in, um, the uh, teams that you may be a part of through your kids and the groups in the community, that God has you where he wants you, and he wants to use you in a powerful way. 
And so we, this, this is a series that we've been looking at, and uh, we started this, oh, maybe six weeks uh, ago or so. And uh, today we are in Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 32. And there's a lot of verses here, and we're going to read through these momentarily. And one of the things I like to do is I like to try to succinctly state what it is I like to, I'm trying to get across to you and what I want to say and how I can best state that. So we can, we can break this passage down according to a lot of different outlines and, folk, and various focuses that people put on different places in the passage. But perhaps one of the best way, I think, to break it down such that we can apply this to our life and really give it some thought. And I'm just going to have you, if you would, uh, if you could on the slides, just go to Acts chapter 26, um, verse 28. If we could just pull the verse 28 slide up, it's going to be a, a, a few, four or five slides in. Uh, and this is a, a powerful place in this passage where Paul has given an appeal to the people he's speaking to, King Agrippa II, his uh, consort Bernice, and uh, there's also Festus, another ruler, Roman ruler, and there's a lot of pomp and pageantry and a lot of uh, displays of power and influence and prestige, and that is what's going down in Acts chapter 26 as Paul has been arrested. He went to Jerusalem per last week's message. He went to Jerusalem. He's been arrested. And now he's going to start this long legal process where he is on his way to Rome to appeal his case to Caesar that he shouldn't be arrested for what he's been arrested for and what he's been accused of. Okay? And so this is, this is Acts chapter 26. And so... Um, I'll share with you maybe a little bit more about the background of this, but uh, as far as trying to help communicate what it is, the important salient points in this 32-verse passage, uh, I'm just going to go to verse 28 right away at the top of this thing. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Uh, the New King James Version will render this verse. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. This verse gives us three important words. I want you to think with me here today. The first important word that it gives is Christian. And that's a despised word today. The second important word that this verse gives to us is persuade. And that's a decisive word. And the, uh, the final verse, or the final word um, that this verse gives to us, if you're looking at the New King James uh, Version or translation of this verse, is the word almost. And that's a dangerous word. Christian. It's a despised word. After Paul, who is on trial, and he pours his heart out three different times in the book of Acts, trying to convince his listener that the way the gospel as it's been given to us in and through Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus and we follow him, there's different terms that were used to describe the person who does that. Disciple was the primary one, but in the secular communities of the time, they had come up with this mongrel term, part Greek, part Latin. They bunched them up together, and we got the word Christian, Christian. And that became kind of a moniker of mockery and derision. Christian is still a despised word. And Agrippa, hearing Paul's incredible testimony that we're going to read through, 32 verses of this thing, he gets to the place in this 
passage where Agrippa says, wait, wait, time out, Paul, time out. Are you trying to convert me? You're on trial? You're, you're giving a defense for why you're not going to be sent to Rome and p- potentially released? Are, Paul, are you using your trial time, your defense time, as an opportunity to proclaim the gospel? And I think there's something to be said for that. How passionate Paul must have been to use his time of where he could have been defending legally why he was inappropriately incarcerated. Instead, he chooses to use this opportunity, this stage, to proclaim to Agrippa, listen, here's the story. And that brings us to the second word, the persuade word. Okay? It's a decisive word. Agrippa, here's the story. You know the story. I'll review the story with you. King Agrippa was very uh, familiar with Judaism because he had ruled and reigned in this area of the world. And he he was an Edomian, which means uh, there was a lot of Jewish blood in his family. And uh, so he's very familiar with this. And Paul reminds him of these things. And he gets to this place where he is trying to persuade Agrippa to make a decision. Persuade. It's a decisive word. And then, so Paul goes on to say, and we could just go to the next slide here. He goes on to say, uh, in verse 29, short time or long, whether it's now, King Agrippa, or on your deathbed, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. And he holds his hands up. So if we go back to the, go back to the previous slide, verse 28. And that brings us to the word almost. Almost is a dangerous word. Why is that dangerous, Pastor? Almost. He made a decision, but he backed away. Almost. It's a dangerous word. We almost won the game. It's a life-changing word. We almost took that step. But for whatever reason, we weren't ready. Those are the three words, I think, that as we look at this passage, um, we'll need to come back to those when we wrap it up here today. Christian is a despised word. And just by the way, it's a label many times of ridicule and exclusion. You can talk about any other religion you want to talk about in the world, any any other movement you want to talk about in the world, but you drop the word Christian, Christ in the public forms of debate there's immediate just a repulsion a, a, a revolting from the idea of a Christian Agrippa didn't want to associate with that persuade a decisive word Almost a dangerous word. You know, um, if we just go back to verse 1 of this passage, let's just read through the verses. And I think you'll see some things here. It's amazing how many times that Paul actually calls King Agrippa by name. Five or six times in this passage, he calls King Agrippa by name. So there's pageantry and there's power all around him. And there's people listening, but he locks in on King Agrippa and he begins to share his story. And so he steps up and he's brought in after all the people are there and they're ready. And Agrippa said to Paul, verse 1, you have permission to speak for yourself. And so Uh, he's like, you know, Festus is having a hard time coming up with writing the reason why you, the charges that are against you, when you face Nero in Rome, which he appealed to Nero, 
because he didn't feel like he was going to get a fair trial with uh, Felix and Festus, the two previous rulers that he shared his story with and, and made his defense before. And so he appeals to Nero, and so here's the problem. Festus is not as familiar with the Jewish backgrounds as King Agrippa is familiar. And so he, he appeals to King Agrippa. King Agrippa, listen to this guy. See if you can help me write up reasons why he should be in front of Nero. What charges are being brought against him? Because the charges that are brought against him are not sticking. And so I need somebody who can help me articulate why this guy should be incarcerated by Rome, why he should be dealt with legally, and why he should be standing in, for, in front of Nero, a person who, whose time is very precious. So I want you to help me with this. And so King Agrippa is here to help Festus with this. And so Paul motioned with his hand, and he began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Verse 4, the Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me from a long time and can testify if they, were, if they are willing that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. Very, very, in fact, if people would see that as a cult, almost like a religious cult within the religion of Judaism. And they all had this idea that if everybody could keep the law for one day perfectly, then Messiah would come back and a new age would come. And so when they realized that nobody was going to keep the law like that, and they would get mad at sinners, common ordinary sinners, because they couldn't keep the law and they were messing it up for everybody. That's the life of a Pharisee. And now it is because, verse 6, of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. I live this way, but now I'm on trial. Verse 7, this is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled. As they earnestly serve God day and night, we are waiting for this fulfillment. We are longing for it. King Agrippa, we've been waiting, anticipating this moment when Messiah would come. And King Agrippa... It is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. What are they accusing him of? Paul says, Messiah has come. And everybody didn't keep the law perfectly, but he came. Verse 8. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Verse 9. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put, it, put to death, I cast my vote against them. Verse 11, many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed, almost to the point of insanity, with persecuting them, that, that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. I was like a, a maniac. I made havoc of the church. I was breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Acts chapter 9 verse 1 tells us. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. And about noon, King Agrippa, he says his name again, about noon, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I'm going to come back to that image. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you, this series is sent, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Very powerful expression of what the gospel is. 
how the Lord views us prior to our salvation as genuinely blind spiritually and we're satanically bound and we're, we're, we're in chains as it were spiritually. And that's how we are seen. Is that your story? Are you in chains? Are you bound spiritually? Are you kicking against the goads like Paul? See, we all do that. There's been times in my life where I kicked against the goads. I didn't want to do things God's way. I didn't want to do things. I didn't want to go to the direction that God wanted me to go. And we kicked against it, right? And some of us, maybe you're wondering what a goad is. A long stick. And it has a sharp point on there. And um, if, the, if the oxen was not going to comply and he's going to jump out of the furrow, and he's not going to do his job, then the, the guy driving the oxen would have the goad and the goad would just be a sharp point on the end of it, maybe a piece of metal, and it would, the oxen would, would, uh, just, would just kind of tap the oxen, let him know not to do that. And if he, if he persists and he kicks against it, he would just keep kick, kick, keep kicking against the goad and he would kick it so much as eventually his leg would be bloody and he would just be a pulp and that's what Paul was doing in his life and that's what we do we kick against the goads and we kick against it. And it's like, man, Paul thought he was doing the right thing. I mean, these Christians, these despised people called Christians were, were uh, messing up this pure Judaistic religion that Paul was so committed to keeping. And he thought he was doing God a favor. You know, I'm on my way to heaven. I've got this perfect religion that I have kept as best I could keep with a clear conscience. And here these guys are saying that a Messiah has come and a Savior has come. And not only has he come, but he's, he lived his life. He died on a cross. He raised from the dead. And he is the Messiah. And Paul was kicking against that message. There's no way it's going to happen that way. There's no way this has happened. And so he struggled with it. Paul was the guy who, who stood and held the the, the garments of those who were stoning Stephen several chapters before we get uh, to this place in the book of Acts. And, uh, and he had that he was dealing with in his mind and conscience. And he saw how Stephen had prayed right before he was stoned to death, Father, don't hold this against them. Forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. And so Paul had that. That was a goad that was sticking and pricking his conscience. And, and he was wrestling with the, 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 the truth of Jesus and the facts of Jesus. And so he, he's kicking against the goads. And, and I see him beat up and bloody and bruised and broken after so many months of this. And he describes what, he, what, it is, what it was that he was doing. So he says, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I saw this vision. I'd been kicking against the goads. I'd been fighting the wrong thing. And so I saw it. I realized who Jesus really was. I turned my life over to him. I surrendered to him. Verse 20, first to those, he says, I went to Damascus and then those in Jerusalem and all Judea and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me, he says. But God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses would, uh, said would happen that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. And at this, Paul, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you insane. You're a, we get our word maniac. You are a maniac. You're a part of some cult. Paul says, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. Paul replied, what I am saying is true and reasonable, and the king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely 
to them to him i am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner king agrippa do you believe the prophets he doesn't even wait for an answer i know you do then agrippa said to paul do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a christian Do you think, Paul, are you trying to convert me? And Paul says, you know what? I'm not just trying to convert you. I'm trying to convert everybody who's here in my hearing today. Everybody who's heard this presentation. He sees Paul is actually using the trial as an occasion to persuade. And with sarcasm, with hesitancy in his voice... He says, do you think, Paul, that in this short time you're going to make me a Christian? You're going to have to do a lot more than that to make me a Christian. Paul replied, well, a short time or long, now we're on your deathbed. I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. The king rose, and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with them, after they left the room, they began to say to one another, This man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Wow. And so, what is so powerful in this whole presentation is that Paul's trial was turned into his testimony. That's how much he loved Jesus. And maybe you're in a trial. That Paul was waiting for two years. You ever been waiting for two years on something? He was waiting for two years. And he finally got these opportunities to present his case. And instead of arguing for why he was so innocent, he, he would use it as an opportunity to proclaim Christ. And uh, to present to the people a choice to make. You know, as we think about this idea of what it means to be a Christian and how important of a decision that it is that we have to make on this regard. Maybe today, if you are not a Christian, is it because you're afraid of ridicule? Mark says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Mark chapter 8 talks about what Jesus said? If you're not a Christian, is it because you are afraid of the ridicule? If you are not a Christ follower, is it because of the inconsistencies of the lifestyles of other Christians? Paul writes later in Romans, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. If you're not a Christian, is it because you are not willing to give up all for Christ and follow him in discipleship? Mark says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If you're not a Christian, is it because you are afraid you will not be accepted? Isaiah the prophet wrote, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are not a Christian, is it because you are afraid you are too great of a sinner? Paul writes later, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. If you are not a Christian, is it because you think God is satisfied with your good works? James says, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. 
If you're not a Christian, is it because you think there's plenty of time? Proverbs says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Christian, it's a despised term. Are you a Christian? Would you like to be? Could I persuade you to take the step across the line? Could I persuade you in light of what we have read in Paul's conversion story when he's knocked down, his face is in the dirt, he was breathing out violence and anger and talk about the story of Paul and the story of today with so many breathing out. People are angry. They're angry at establishment. They're angry at government. They're angry at police officers. They're angry at Christians. They're not just angry. They are violent. Lashing out. Trying to reinterpret the stories of our past. Trying to create a world where an agenda, a very, a very frightening agenda gets traction and foothold in our communities and in the, how we view life. You see, Paul's story, Paul was the ultimate protester. He's breathing threats and murder and, and we are living in an age of outrage where people are continuing to do this and they think it's right, just like Paul. This is the right thing to do. And Jesus says, you know what, in all of that, you know what's happening? Wounding the other people, you're not just wounding the other people, you're wounding me. You're fighting against me. This is a story, Paul's story is a story of, relig of a religious man who turned to violence. He's motivated by this conviction that there's just no way God could work through this person called Jesus and do what he has done through him. And instead of persuading through words like he's trying to do now, he was going to persuade the world through violence and anger and hate and disruption. You know, I think it's intriguing uh, that there are several places here in the story where when you look at the cults, there's lots of different cults that, and Felix, uh, Festus makes reference to this. Uh, Paul says, I conform to the strictest sect of our religion. Festus says, Paul, you're mad, you're crazy, you've read too many cult manuals. Uh, Tertullius says in Acts chapter 24, we have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect or cult. And he even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. Paul has to say, no, no, this is not an in-the-corner movement. What's Festus saying? Paul, you're a maniac. You've gone from one extreme of violent protesting to another extreme centering on a Galilean prophet who supposedly rose from the dead. You're leading some kind of cult, Paul. What are you talking about? You're in some secret breakaway society or movement. You think you know more than everyone else knows. And that's what popular culture is saying about Christians today. And Paul said this is not a cult in the corner kind of thing. And to all those caught up in some cult, Paul's calling all of us, verse 18 if we would on the slide, to open their eyes 
and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Are you caught up in some kind of marginal movement? You know, um, those who have studied these things, and I'm very, very concerned about some of the um, ideology of the worldview that is being promoted, and I've talked to you about that before. And what I'm seeing as a movement is morphing more and more into a religion. And it's not just an ideology or a movement to accomplish some societal grievance correction. It is morphing into something that is a belief system that now this is going to impact how I view the Bible. This is going to impact how I treat people, especially of different cultural and ethnic backgrounds. It's morphing into a religious movement. And in fact, one one person has said that I can confirm that the religion or cult of woke has replaced religion for many atheists or agnostic. I'm glad I found a sense of community and belonging somewhere else besides the church. It's morphing into a religion. And Paul is trying to decry, he's trying to explain, no, no, this is not a, a cult that I'm leading. This is, this is someone who has risen from the dead. It's someone who's, who I was kicking against him. I was fighting against him. I, I wasn't believing who he was and what he w- was about and the claims that he made and the life that he led and the, and the miracles he performed and the, and the crucifixion of, of love that he died in our place, that he rose from the dead. I, I, was, I was not buying it. And then he appeared to me. And then I put it all together and I saw it for what it really was. Like one person said, I typically don't disagree with someone who rose from the dead. And yet what I see in so many worldviews, the ideologies and movements, what I see is a movement away from Jesus. It's a movement away from Jesus. You know, um, it's starting to look like a religion what I see and when I think about this the cult of what we see we could call it the cult of wokeness when we look at it and we break it down it's very it's very strategic and I say this not just in terms of what we're seeing today but it's also you're going to be at places in your life where you're going to have groups of people who have various ideas and they have ways of love bombing you to get you to buy in, uh, to get you to subscribe to a, wor- a worldview or an idea so you will be love bombed and pulled in and bonds will be created such that you don't see truth clearly. And so it's, very, it's a very prescribed Method. You see it in a lot of different organizations and cults in the world, not just the woke cult, but in other cults. There's initiation, right? Initiation. Be on our anti-racist team, for example. Cut ties with your family. Let us help meet your need to belong. Initiation. Indoctrination. You've contributed to this mess that we're in. You can never understand it because you're an oppressor, and so you need to be re-educated. You need to be indoctrinated. Reprogramming. Help us dismantle systems. Defund the police. Build a better world. Always be looking for societal grievance in every issue. Reprogramming. There's initiation, there's indoctrination, there's reprogramming, and finally there is allegiance. Do your penance before the public. Make a costly sacrifice. Bow down and worship. Kiss someone's boots. Find someone who is of another group, 
a grieved group. Give them money and bow. You must do something symbolic. Kneel during the anthem. Hold a ribbon while you're kneeling. Woke culture has become a woke cult. And this is why three words are so important. Christian. It's a despised word. And there's going to be times when you can't bow because of Jesus. See, Agrippa didn't want to, he didn't want to associate with this thing called Christian. This idea of being a Christian. He was, had pomp and circumstance. He, he was with Bernice. Bernice was his, literally his sister. And he was a consort with her. He was, he was deep into immorality and depravity and a messed up life. His whole family was messed up. And he said, there's no way. I am not, I'm not going to be one of those Christians. And, um, but there's going to come a time, and there is, uh, there is this movement, this agenda, this is the direction things want to go. And that's why I say now, are you a Christian? Is Jesus number one in your life? And it's so important to anchor down to that, to know who you are, who he is, and what that means. It's like one rugby player from Great Britain said, there's no way I can bow. They're burning Bibles and churches, and I love Jesus. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Okay. And so this idea of Christian, are, what is a Christian? Are you a Christ follower? Who is Jesus? Is he God? Okay. What did he do for the world? He died for the world. Why? I'm alienated and broken. I'm blind. Verse 18. Go, go, verse 18. There it is. Oh, my eyes are blind. I'm in darkness. I'm under the power of Satan. And I needed deliverance. I needed a forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified or set, af set apart by faith in me. Go to verse 20 if you would. He, he takes another run at the gospel. First to those in Damascus and then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea and then to the Gentiles. I preach, here it is, that they should repent. Change your mind. Just like Paul. In the Pharisaic sect or cult, he was caught up in his own little sect. And it's so hard to pull people out of cults. It's so hard. And it took this incredible appearance of the Son of God in his life showing up in ancient Old Testament Shekinah glory form and formatting and to knock him off of his steed and his face is in the dirt. It took that kind of a confrontation to pull Paul out of his cult. When he finally got pulled out of it, he realized he'd been beaten up not just on people. He'd been wounding Jesus the whole time. Go to verse 23. He takes another run at the gospel. 18, 20, 23, that the Messiah would suffer. And as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Verse 18, verse 20, verse 23. He's saying, don't miss the gospel. It's how you're delivered. It's how you're, it's how you're preserved. It's how you're guided. It's how you're grounded such that you're not wrapped up in some cult, some in-the-corner movement that's going to pull you away from what's important in life. He runs, he runs the gospel by you two and three different ways to pull you in and to ground you and what's going to lead you home. Christian, it's a despised word. Prepare to be despised in the culture in which we live if you call Jesus Lord. Doesn't mean you have to be mean. Doesn't mean you have to be obnoxious. 
but prepare to take a stand. Prepare to articulate who it is you're living for and why you're living for him. Before you get on the hype train, you better know what it's connected to. Everybody's getting on the hype train. Here we go. Well, where are we going? Don't know. What do you believe? Well, here it is on the website. Hop on the hype train. It's cool to do this, right? Think about it. Paul was caught up in his own little cult. And it took a Jesus in his life to pull him out of it. Persuade. Persuade. It's a decisive word. I talked to you about a lot of different reasons why people are not Christians today. And here's Paul's deal. Paul knew that Christianity was a fact. It claimed to be a fact. It claims to have really happened. It claims that Christ rose from the dead. And, and, and if you say, well, I don't really like Christianity because it teaches this or that, and I'm offended by it. Paul was more offended by Christian teaching than you are. He was very upset that Christians were saying, you don't need a temple, you don't need priests anymore, you don't need sacrifices anymore. He was furious. And why did he become a Christian? Not because he liked it, but because of the facts. He said, these things were not done in a corner. I actually met Jesus. He knocked me off my horse. My face is in the dirt. He makes this appearance. I met Jesus. He was raised from the dead. I wished it wasn't true, but it is. And I've spent my whole life moving away from him under the cloak of religion. See, Paul had the ability to take this moment and turn it into a gospel moment for Agrippa. And he was trying to persuade a guy in an incestuous relationship with his own sister to receive the gospel. I, was, I consult a lot of different sermons from other pastors when I prepare my messages. Do you know what Charles Spurgeon said? He said, every King Agrippa has his Bernice. Every King Agrippa has his Bernice. What's your Bernice? I just can't do this Christian thing. This, I've got this love over here. I, I just can't follow. No, no I, I can't be all in because I've got this Bernice over here. I've got this love, this, this priority, this, this problem, this goal. I, I don't want to be despised. We talked about thumbs up. I don't want to be thumbs down in the world. I think Spurgeon's got it right. Every King Agrippa has his Bernice. What's your Bernice? Persuade. It is a decisive term. You know, there was a hymn many years ago written, and it's, I've heard it many, many times, and I feel like I'm about ready to go into revivalist mode because when I hear this hymn, Sometimes I'll get excited to just snap into those songs of the past, but I can't help it when I think about this passage and I think about those words, almost persuaded, now to believe, almost persuaded, Christ to receive. Seems now some soul to say, go spirit, go thy way, some more convenient day on the alcohol. You know that hymn, don't you? Almost persuaded, but lost. Persuade is a decisive term. 
What's your decision? Almost is a dangerous term. What is it to be an almost Christian? It is to see your need and not confess it. It is to wish to be saved and remain undecided. It is to be at the door, but still on the outside. Agrippa died about 40 years after Acts 26. He had no son to carry on his name. The Herodian Herodian dynasty and legacy of kings came to an end. His death brought the glory of the whole dynasty to an end. You know, we live in a very interesting time, don't we? It's a crazy time. It's so important that we, as we think about the sense of uh, urgency of the hour, one pastor described Agrippa with the phrase, the curse of casualness. He seemed to be relaxed and unconcerned, and he didn't want to, he didn't want to make this decision, and, and he didn't want to deal with the ramifications of that, and he didn't want to have to deal with his Bernice in his life. And we see the opposite of Paul. Paul is urgent. He is focused. He is a man that is sent. He's passionate, requiring suggesting, emphasizing, passionately underscoring the need to, to make immediate action, to make a decision. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for our time together this morning, and thank you for um, this passage. Thank you so much for uh, your guidance in our life and uh, your uh, just touching our hearts and directing our thoughts and helping us to ground ourselves in the gospel. And we know that that's the answer for today. We know that it is. And we just trust and pray today that those of us who are here who are struggling with our Bernices, and we know what that is and who that is and what that might represent. Almost persuaded. Almost. Dangerous word. How many times have we almost done the right thing? How many times? And how our lives are different um, today because of decisions made. But I ask and pray that you would help us in courage and strength in these days to follow you, to love you, to be your disciple. You would help us in these days to be grounded in the gospel and what that means. You would help us in these days not to be sucked in the vortex of a cult. It's ripping families apart. Friends are saying goodbye and, and uh, it's a cult that is destroying a lot of people, destroying a lot of property, destroying a lot of, of hard-fought battles that have been won. I pray, Lord, if we've been sucked up into this, you would deliver us, set us free. And we, are, we do so with a sense of soberness when we say we are, I am, a Christian. I have been persuaded of the fact of this thing we call Christianity. I am persuaded. And I have been sent to make a difference. And so, Father, you be with us this morning and you guide us. And, and may Jesus be preeminent in our thoughts, in how we live our life, what we give ourselves to. You be preeminent. And we love you today. And we thank you for loving us and showing us the way, giving us peace. And we've.
kicked against the goads. Oh, we've made ourselves so bloody. And we can't help but think this morning that that's a picture of some of our lives. You've tried to guide us and direct us, and we've kicked and we've kicked and we've kicked and we're bloodied and bleeding and bruised. And I can't help but think that maybe there's someone here who have been kicking against the goads maybe a long time. And they want to surrender today to the great story of the ages that wasn't done in a corner, but was done before the watching world. A God who loves us, a Jesus who died for us, a spirit that fills us, and the life change that comes from it. So we pray this morning, right now, as we are closing this time in prayer, that you would um, touch that heart to step across the line to declare in faith and trust, I am a Christian. Today is my day. We ask these things in your name and for your honor. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. Please stand with me. If you see a, fa a face that's not so familiar, be friendly. Say hello. Let them, let them know that we're glad they're here.